Welcome to Harvest Community Church. And I know we already greeted each other, but let's greet someone on the other side of the aisle. Well, welcome. And I uh, wanted to go through some of the announcements today. Uh, first off, I know you guys hear it every week, but we really, really need Promised Land teachers. Uh, so far, I think Promised Land, we have uh, signups uh, through the end of this month. Uh, I think nothing beyond February. Uh, so we really need uh, your help. Uh, if you even have a slight inkling of a heart to help out, please sign up and, and, and help. We, we do need help. Uh, you can see uh, Herman or Ellie for that, uh, or, or Sammy. Um, we're trying to be green, so we are working on recycling as best as we can. So uh, if you want to keep your programs, keep your programs. You take notes, great. But if not, there'll be a box in the back somewhere to recycle them, uh, and we'll be reusing uh, a number of things like the welcome cards or some of the announcements, and we're doing our part to make the, uh, the earth stay green and leave as little of a carbon footprint as possible. Uh, so recycle. Uh, if you have more, informa uh, more information, you can see either uh, any of the deacons or, or C is heading this up also. Uh, the young adults will be having lunch together uh, the, today at 12.15. See Sean for more information on that. And no park on February 8th. Uh, they're going to resume meeting on uh, Saturday, February 22nd, 7 o'clock. Voyagers, and for Couples Garden, we have Brian uh, to make an announcement. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that feels good. That feels pretty good. So, <laughs> I'd like to invite you to our Couples Garden this coming Friday. It's a special Valentine's Day garden, and 6:30 at the Tribuco Center. The dinner is going to be catered at Tudo Fresco. It's going to be $10 per adult, and kids are free. We're also going to have child care. And let's see here. Please bring $10 or $20 in cash um, on Friday to pay me. The format, to guys let you know, is going to be a dinner, a special game by Leslie. Leslie Yap's going to do a game for us. And we'll have a video on communication tools. Then we'll follow it up with a group discussion. We'll be going over Ephesians 4.22 through 32. And then we'll have one-on-one -on -one couple time, especially for Valentine's Day. And we will end with dessert. 
And to give you guys a little idea what the topic is, we have a tease of the video, a little two-minute video we'll show you guys right now. of oneness there can you know it, it's it's a moving continuum there's always little issues that sneak in and uh, I remember one time you made a great intentional effort to call me and say honey I know you're having a really stressful week I had a big deadline that I was trying to meet and um, I'm gonna bring you lunch and I thought oh my hero he's gonna bring me lunch that's so awesome yes yeah, so here I am I'm, I'm acting out of you know the the norm and I'm, I'm i'm breaking away from work and i'm doing something that i feel like is meeting her uh you know her love language and uh, i'm gonna go and, and i'm gonna spend some quality time and i'm gonna do an acts of service i'm gonna deliver you know lunch for her and, and just let her know how much uh, i love her and uh and how much i appreciate her so uh so because i work I at the restaurant right i ordered yep. a chicken sandwich number one combo yep and a coke yep that's what I ordered. Well, when he came and he set my lunch down in front of me, uh, the chicken sandwich, great, I was so excited. And then he put down the drink. And at Chick-fil-A, the lids have little buttons that you can depress. Well, instead of a regular Coke, I saw the diet button depressed. He'd gotten me a diet Coke. Okay, to him, it was a simple mistake. But because of the baggage that I brought into the marriage and my own insecurities and all that, when I saw that diet button depressed, it was a statement. It was him saying, you are fat and ugly and I wish I would have never married you. Now, of course, that is not at all what he thought or said. To him, it was a simple mistake. But a woman will always interpret what a man says or does more emotionally than what he ever intended it. So even when we've gotten to that really good place of, okay, we're intentionally investing in one another, those old things would creep in so easily. And uh, yeah, so that provided a wonderful growth opportunity. That's what we call our <laughs> fights now. We call them growth opportunities. But I Thank you, Jeff. So to figure out how they manage that after, we have to come and see our couple's garden, <laughs> or you can borrow, borrow my, my DVD. So just a reminder, let's see here. Um, today is the last day to RSVP if you do want to come to the, the couple's garden. We have to order the food in advance. So please RSVP to, what's that? Oh, night. <laughs> please RSVP to Donna Geese or myself. Let me know today. And hope you guys can make it. Thank you. Well deserving of an applause on that one. That's, that's great. Uh, perfect. Um, and uh, uh, Jim, uh, if you can come up for... Uh, about the Harvest Men's Boat Cruise. All right, how many days left? Six. So this Saturday, and when you guys are looking up there, that is the menu uh, from Chef Rufus. Uh, if that doesn't get you guys to come, I don't know. It's a lost cause. Um, we are gonna have a, a devotion time. I mean, you know, it's not just gonna be purely, you know, fun and everything like that. Although we're gonna have plenty of fun, but we will make it spiritual and uh, have a devotion and all that stuff. So um, I know that some of you guys are probably thinking, you know what, me and boat, 
filmics. Yeah, let me tell you that I am the worst when it comes to being motion sickness. When my uh, daughter sees a, a, a merry-go-round, you know, she wants to go on there, right? She's tapping on the glass, and you know, I'm like, oh no, <laughs> because I know that I can get dizzy on a merry-go-round. I'm that bad, but hey, because of Mike and his vast amount of wisdom, he gave me this one little trick that now I can just go on a boat all day and not have an issue. So yeah, you have to come and talk to me afterwards. <laughs> RSVP to the Evite and I'll share with you the trick. Uh, but if you haven't got a, uh, um, an Evite for me, please let me know. Uh, please let me know by tonight because we do need to have that head count. And uh, I, I guarantee you, uh, we'll have lots of fun. All right, thank you guys. So of course I can't pass up that RSVP. So remember, let Jim know, no, no, or yes. Okay. <laughs> um, Men's Breakfast Fellowship, uh, Sunday, February 16th, 8.30. Uh, meet at Ruby's in Woodbridge. Prayer Circle this week, uh, Wednesday, uh, next week, Wednesday, no, this week. Wait, next week. <laughs> Wednesday, February 19th, uh, 8 to 9, and uh, location is going to be uh, announced uh, later. So, Prayer Circle. Uh, Harvest Women will be attending Beth Moore. Uh, and uh, for those of you who don't know, Beth Moore is uh, really... Uh, well-known, renowned speaker. She'll be actually live here at um, Mariners, and they're broadcasting that, live streaming that throughout, I know at least all the United States. I'm not sure if it's worldwide, but uh, if you want to go, uh, see, uh, who are you seeing? RSVP on the Evite. Xing Xing, see Xing 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 for that. Um, but, uh, um, but that'll be amazing for those of you who are able to go and see her live and not have to be on the live simulcast on that. And um, let's see, I think uh, a couple people have more, have more announcements. Xing Xing, uh, she here to make an announcement. Thank you, Pastor. So many of you know Juan Eileen, and how many of you know that they have an amazing skill and passion for crocheting? So if you don't know, <laughs> see, it's amazing. Like, going to do like walk down the runway and come back and do a turn. Well, we just wanted to. We're really excited because actually, in um, several weeks, on February 29th, Saturday, from 2 to 4 p.m., they'll be leading us, the women, in how to learn crochet. So it's like perfect weather, it's like cold still to learn something new, pick up a new hobby, and just fellowship with other women. So we wanted to have you like showcase what you brought today. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll show you what I made. Um, I made hats, yeah. and um, my hats, I donate them to um, the cancer patients at UCI. Um, and then I made a scarf. So that's just a couple of what I made. Well, my first project was making a cap as well. And um, having been a cancer patient at UCI, they are also the recipients of my endeavors. Um, 
That's some cute little fun things. So this was my Christmas present to my family this year. Thank you. And then um, my latest passion is granny squares. Oh. And I also make baby blankets, but I give those away. So I have none to show you. <laughs> so we'll be sending out Evite soon. So hopefully you'll all come out just to learn from these two like amazing women and just how to like learn crocheting. And even if you're um, not interested in crocheting, just come out and hang out with us. It'll be a great time of fellowship and just snacking as well. So thank you all. Thank you. Great. And uh, for our last announcement, C has an announcement. Praise God, we have a building. Yeah. So um, what we wanted, want to do, Kelly and I um, and Brian went yesterday to the building. And right now there's really um, nothing in there. It doesn't look like a church yet. But what we'd like to do is have an open house to invite every single one of you to come join us on March 1st, after service from 12 to 2, we're going to have pizza and water. water, um, <laughs> And we'd like you to bring salad or, or dessert, a salad, sides or dessert. And we're just going to have a time of just, you know, envisioning what our church is going to look like. Now, so we have that scheduled for March 1st. Um, um, we don't know when the demolition is going to happen, so hopefully it's not before then. But really, it's a nice open space right now. And um, we just think it would be a great um, thing to do just to get together. Um, there's also a, a, a big alley in the back as well that um, a lot of the kids like to play about there too. But we just wanted you to come out and see the building. Um, we don't have any announcements in here because we just thought about it. But it will be announced in the bulletin next week with some instructions on how to get to the building because um, there are two entrances into that complex and um, we need to take the second entrance, second left on um, research to get in there. But all the instructions and, and uh, more details will be um, in the bulletin next week. So thank you, we hope you will all come out on March 1st after service, bring some goodies and also bring a chair if you wanna sit down. But Thank you. Or you can sit on the floor. <laughs> Great. Uh, who can complete this phrase? The best defense is... Uh, oh, man, everyone's good. A good offense. Excellent, yeah. That adage has been applied to a lot of different fields of endeavor. Uh, it's been applied to the military. In fact, the military... Uh, it's known as their strategic offensive principle of war. Right? Uh, anyone know who uh, Ip Man is? All right, some people in the martial arts. How about um, Bruce Lee? Everyone know Bruce Lee? Okay. Well, some martial arts, it's the same thing. Yeah, uh, it's, it's more uh, emphasizes attack over defense. So the, the Wing Chun, uh, you know, I, I remember reading where Bruce Lee said, I would go ahead and take a punch because as I'm taking that punch, I'm on the attack. So he's going to attack harder than the punch that's coming to him. But anyway, uh, if you haven't seen that movie, Ip Man, it's actually a pretty good movie. <laughs> Board games. Anyone play chess or risk? Same thing. Yeah, a lot of times it's strategic to be on the offense. Um, same thing with sports. Yeah, sports, basketball, football. But... Um, Let's see what uh, the Word of God says about the divine, uh, divine defense team. 
Now let's read uh, John 14, uh, 16 through 18. And it reads, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That it is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it, is, it does not see him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. John 14, 16 through 18. Well, it's a good day so far, and uh, welcome here to Harvest. Uh, you know, part of living life is occasionally dealing with the sting of rejection. You know, as you look back in time, maybe you have applied, or maybe you have auditioned, maybe you have actually proposed, and a yes answer was not forthcoming. Uh, maybe you've tried to break into a particular friendship circle uh, and were politely rebuffed. Uh, perhaps uh, you've come in here even today dogged by a little bit of failure this past week. Uh, others of you are in good, stable condition and a uh, great situation. Uh, you're considered a success, at least in part of your life. But perhaps there are areas in which you're also experiencing a measure of defeat. Now, as we journey through life, it's always comforting to have an advocate. And as a Christian, we get two of them. We get the Son of God, and we also get the Spirit of God. And I have entitled this uh, message here today, uh, prior to our communion time, as a uh, the Divine Defense Team. Uh, if you're going to go to court and you've got the Son of God and the Holy Spirit of God representing you, the odds are pretty good you're going to come out successful. They're going to be in your favor. Let me kind of chart out where we're going today. It's pretty clear on your handout. But the first thing I want to do is offer five observations just about the Holy Spirit so that we learn something about this third member of the triune God. Second, we want to look at the advocacy of Jesus in our lives. And then third, we'll look at the advocacy of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So let's begin with the observations about the Holy Spirit and the first one is, and this is familiar to you, that the Holy Spirit is our personal helper. Now, some of your Bibles might read that the Holy Spirit is your comforter, your counselor, your advocate. All of those things are good. Now, the Greek word that I'm talking about here when we talk about uh, comforter or so forth is the word paraclete, not parakeet but paraclete, okay? Now, whenever you have one Greek word uh, that's translated into three different English words, like comforter, counselor, and advocate, you get an idea of just how rich in meaning the Greek word is, paraclete. Now, paraclete, uh, that particular Greek word, is both a hard word and a soft word. Uh, kaleo, parakaleo, paraclete, Kaleo is the hard word. 
And it simply means to come alongside and exhort one to see the truth. Uh, then the word para is a soft word. And it means coming alongside of someone to assist. So uh, the Holy Spirit is one who comes alongside you to, as, to assist us in understanding the truth. And then he calls us to embrace that truth. And he does it with controlled strength. Now, we can all learn something from the gentleness of the Holy Spirit. And he is so gentleness with us. Um, uh, it's easy, it's very easy to be harsh with those who are hurting and with those who are confused. And belief in the sufficiency of Scripture, which I trust that all of us do, uh, and it's right, can cause us sometimes to reduce counseling to simply the raw transfer of information, which is wrong. It doesn't work to tell, for instance, an anorexic young lady to just have three square meals in one day. It doesn't help uh, a young man who's been tempted by homosexual tendencies to just date women or date girls. The, the Holy Spirit, what he does is he takes the truth of the scripture and he gives it a very personal, very gentle touch. He loves the person. He loves you. And he says, listen, I'll tell you what, in this particular area of your life, we're going to go through this whole process together. I will not desert you. We will be doing this together to develop you into the kind of person that you want to be and that God wants you to be. There's a second observation, and that is the Holy Spirit is our advocate. And advocate comes from two Greek words, one word meaning ad, and the other word meaning vocero, advocero, advocate. Advocate. Now, the word ad simply means to come alongside of, and the word vocero, from which we get our word vocal, simply means to speak. And therefore, an advocate is someone who comes alongside you and fearlessly speaks truth for you to someone, to someone who has what you need. For instance, you know, social workers. Attorneys are advocates. Uh, they come alongside those who are powerless and they speak for them to those who are powerful. Uh, notice the, the word another, by the way, in verse 16. Uh, Jesus is speaking here and he says, I'm going to send you another advocate. And the Greek word again is alos. And it simply means another of exactly the same kind. In other words, Jesus was the first advocate as he was on earth, and he's sending us, and the one that we know, as another advocate, and that would be the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is no different from Jesus. He is like Jesus. Now, in verses 9 through 11, Jesus affirms that his essence is the same as that of the Father. Same thing. Here he affirms that the essence of the Holy Spirit is the same as his. In other words, 
if the Father is God, then the Son is God. And if the Son is God, then the Holy Spirit is God. Third observation, the Holy Spirit is with you forever. Verse 16, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he, this other helper, will be with you forever. You see, Jesus doesn't say he will be with you until you commit some grave sin. Jesus says he'll be with you forever. And that here is a very strong argument for the doctrine of eternal security or the perseverance of the saints. They're they're synonyms. They're both the same thing. Fourth observation, the Holy Spirit is truthful. Uh, Verse 17, he will give you another helper who is the spirit of truth. Now, the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth in verse 17 because he's the essence of truth, because he happens to be God. And he guides us into truth during our earthly life. Now, the problem in our own culture today that we all seem to wrestle with now and then is that we've blown out the Lord and made ourselves our reference point in life. Uh, Pragmatically, however, we're not a worthy frame of reference upon which to build a life. We're not autonomous. We didn't decide when we would come into the world. We won't decide when we leave the world. Things that we thought were true 30 years ago have been shown to be false today. Things that we rely on today, some of which will be relegated to the fiction pile at some point in the future. So we have a thimble full of information in an ocean full of knowledge, and we cannot know truth and value without the revelation of the Holy Spirit. You see, apart from revelation, the only logical philosophical conclusion is simply this, I don't know. And that's agnosticism. And agnosticism has become the acceptable playground of pluralism today, which stresses toleration rather than truth. You see, the ultimate problem is that agnosticism will really damn you spiritually. And we all know people who claim to be agnostic. Fifth observation is that the Holy Spirit comes alongside of you, and he confirms your sonship. Use the masculine term, your sonship, your daughtership. Uh, I want you to just look at verse 18 and notice the term orphans. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. God will remain with us. He's always with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is with us in order to keep us secure until that day of our final salvation when we leave this earth and join the Lord Christ and the Father and the Spirit of God in glory. Now, let me return to verse 16 for just a moment and focus on the advocacy of Jesus in our lives. It says, the Father will send you another advocate. He's, you know, Jesus is speaking. The Father will send you another advocate And that advocate will be the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was our first advocate. It says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. If anyone sins, 
and we will, and we do, we have an advocate with the Father, and that would be Jesus Christ the righteous. Now, Jesus being our advocate assumes a couple of things. First of all, uh, it assumes that we stand accused and guilty before the judgment seat of God. And this is the message of the Bible. And it's really confirmed in our own hearts. The closer we get to death, the more that we regret what we did and did not do in the past. And the struggle with imperfections is just absolutely universal among human pathology. And the reason we wrestle with our imperfections is because we know a God that created us that demands perfection. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, be perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect. So God demands perfection. That's the standard, perfection. And therefore, that's why we're always wrestling with our guilt. You see, there's a, an indelibility about guilt in that we can't get rid of it. There's a, an immediacy about guilt in that it's always demanding our attention. You know, our consciences tell us that we're, that there, I should say, that there's a courtroom in which we must stand because there's a standard of conduct that we've actually violated. Uh, Arthur Miller wrote a small play a number of years ago, decades ago now, called Death of a Salesman. And the play uh, makes us acutely aware of the gap that we should, uh, that of the gap between what we should be and what we are. And Willie Loman is a salesman whose life takes a wrong turn. And in that particular play, he's discovered in a hotel room with another woman. And he's discovered by his own teenage son, Biff. And uh, he gets in there and Biff starts crying when he sees what's going on here. And Willie Loman gets up and puts his arm around his own son and says, don't let this bother you. You know, when you grow up and get a little bit older, you'll understand. But then Biff says something very incredible. He says, how could you do this to mom? And Biff runs out of the room in the play and he wastes his life and becomes a drifter. And so here you have a guy named Willie Loman who has his indiscretions, but then he puts his arm around himself and says, I'm lonely, and these things happen. But at that moment, all of his excuses crumble because he sees the innocent eyes of his own son looking at him, and he's exposed as a fraud. Now, the reason that would send something of a violent chill into you and to me is because we know that there are a pair of eyes that are pure, that are innocent. And we know that we can't stand before them in our own sinful flesh. And the excuses that we use to justify ourselves all fall to the ground. So we all struggle with the justice of God, but consider this. Unless there are a pair of eyes that are absolutely pure and just, what hope is there for the world? because there's no hope whatsoever that ultimately 
uh, good will triumph over evil. But the other side of the coin, if there are a pair of eyes like that, what hope is there for you and me? Because there's a court of justice to which we all must answer. Now, the second assumption of Jesus, being our advocate, is that he represents us before the eyes of the Father. And he does it with an infallible case. Uh, Jesus, let me use myself here. Jesus, my advocate, says to the Father, here is Gary Stubblefield. You created this guy. You keep him alive every moment. He owes you everything. He, has, he, he needs to build his life around you, but he hasn't done it. And then he says, can you cut him a little slack for my sake? He doesn't say that. You know, not, that's not what Jesus says is our advocate. He goes right to the bar of justice and he says, Father, I represent Gary Stubblefield. Has he lied? Yes. Has he cherished bitterness? Without question. Has he been selfish? No doubt. Has he failed to serve others? Yes. Has he failed to serve you properly? Yes. And I'm scored on five counts. And your law, Jesus says, is absolutely perfect, and it calls for Gary's death because he violated it. So here's my death on his behalf. You know, and on the basis of my death, Jesus says, I demand that my client, Gary, be totally acquitted. And so the father, he has absolutely no recourse but to rule me not guilty. And he does it gladly because that was his plan all the way along. Same thing with you. You know, the father looks and says, you're perfect in Jesus Christ. Now, the advocacy of the spirit. Jesus represents us to the father with an infallible case. He took our sin. He paid the price by dying our death. And then the father took the Lord's perfect life his righteousness, and imputed that righteousness to us. So not only are we without sin, but we now, in a positive way, uh, bear the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the Spirit of God allows us to live that out on a daily basis. And you see, what the Spirit of God does, he's in the reminding business. He reminds us of the Father's evaluation of us. On one hand, because of our sin, we're exceedingly evil. But on the other hand, because Jesus died for us, we are exceedingly valuable. You're a trophy. You're a trophy of God's grace. Your name has been chiseled, Isaiah says, right on the palm of his hand. And I don't know who it was that said that, but I read a lot of books by a lot of people, and I quote so many of them. But there's one individual that says, you're so bad that Jesus needed to die for you, and yet you're so valuable that he wanted to. And if we can fully grasp as just followers of Christ just how sinful we are and yet how valued 
and love we are, then we'll be able to walk that fine line between self-hatred and self-exaltation. And the best thing all, we don't need to go through life trolling for strokes. We just don't need to do that. And that's where we want to be. And it's all possible because of the work of Christ in us in the past and the work of the Holy Spirit in us in the present. You know, that's the divine, or the, the divine defense team. We've got the Spirit of God and we've got the Son of God on our team representing what's happened in our life to the Father. And the Father says, the job is well done. You're my people. You can't lose the good thing that you've got now because of my Son Christ dying for you and my Spirit leading, uh, living inside you. And that's, that's the beauty of, of all of the stuff. We don't, if we confess our sins, we don't need to go around walking around in constant guilt. Sometimes we need to confess. We always need to confess to God, but sometimes we need to confess to one another. We need to trust one another as a spiritual family simply by holding each other accountable. Because there's nothing that you could possibly do that hasn't already been done by individuals in this room. And, and therefore, we're all in the same boat. And rather than come together and put on this, this, this display of we're really, really good and upright, we all know where everybody is in the eyes of the Lord. And that's why it's, a, it's an equal playing field. And therefore, there's no hierarchy. There are levels of responsibility at Harvest Church, to be sure, but there's no spiritual hierarchy. We're all on the same plane. Nobody's better than anybody else. All of us are here simply because of the grace of God. And so the Spirit and the Son have pulled us right into God's family, and that's a wonderful thing. We're going to close with... Um, uh, time of communion today, and uh, I'm going to ask you as the team comes up here, uh, as the elements are passed out, would you go ahead and hold each of them? And when everybody has uh, the, the bread and everybody has a cup, I'll come up and we'll take them together. Father, we thank you uh, for this opportunity to remember uh, the coming of Christ uh, it, to show us uh, what it means to walk according to the law and done it and then go to the cross and pay the price for our sins so that we might be brought into the family. And Lord, the, the more we contemplate that, the more blown away we really are that we come each week and we worship a God that has done for us what we could not do ourselves. And for that, we're humbled. And uh, we bow, even today, uh, before you as we take this bread and this cup, remembering the death that you died and the life as a result that you've given to us. In Christ's name.